Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Come on, let's try that again. Happy New Year, everyone. We uh, are excited about what God will be doing in and through or continue to do in and through City Church throughout 2016 and uh, really ask that you would be in deep prayer for the leadership of City Church as we've got some things behind the scenes that are germinating and as far as planning for the future for a permanent facility. 2016 will be a year of getting the mind of God and planning and moving forward. And so we really covet your prayers for that. Oftentimes people will approach me and ask me what's next, and we've learned the hard way that you never announce things until you're sure. How many of you have ever made an announcement and it didn't happen and you just kind of end up backpedaling? I've probably done that 321 times in the past 18 years of pastoring City Church, and I've kind of learned that we're going to kind of hold things. We'll trust that you'll be praying with us as we're really seeking God's heart and mind for what's next. And so that'll be kind of the year, macro year. But the way we wanted to step into this year, I was speaking with Callie, our worship pastor, and some of the other leadership of City Church, and just really felt that the way to launch in and to step into the new year is that we're going to be talking in depth for several weeks about one of the three pillars that City Church stands on. We have three pillars, you've heard them before, they are real devotion, real relationship, and real generosity. Real devotion, real relationship, and real generosity. And what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks is the idea of real devotion. What does it look for us as followers of Jesus to become a group of people who the devotion that we have for Christ is real, it's growing, it's meaningful, it's transforming every part of our heart and lives, how we work on the job, our marriages, how we raise kids, how we look to the future, how do we handle our finances, and looking at this God who has created all things and sent Christ to us. What does it look like to be a group of people where real devotion is the center of who we are? So the purpose of this several-week teaching series is for us to grow uh, in our devotion to Christ. One of the greatest examples of real devotion can be taken from the Christmas story. And oftentimes as a pastor, you feel like you've been teaching for several weeks on Christmas. You step into the new year and you just kind of detach. And so what I've, I've done this morning is developed a teaching to begin this real devotion series where we're going to be looking again at the Christmas story, specifically the story of the shepherds, because they are the first real devotion story towards Christ other than Mary and Joseph, the parents of Christ. And so if you want to talk about real devotion to Jesus, you begin with the shepherds. So we're going to learn some things from their episode and their story of coming to discover who Christ is and the devotion that they showed to him. And so would you with me turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, you could utilize the Bibles we provide just before you enter in the tunnels or you can grab your smartphone and turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin taking a look at this biblical story in verse 1. Now, I'm not actually going to read the first of the several verses, and the real focus of what we're going to talk about will be taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 10, 11, and 12. 
But I'm going to kind of give us the backdrop, and then we're going to pick up in verse 9. So what we have is a story that's famous to almost everyone in the Western world. It's the story of Mary and Joseph underneath the thumb of the Roman Empire, move and head back to the place where Joseph and Mary, specifically Joseph, is from. And as they go back, because the Roman Empire and the Roman Emperor has declared that there's going to be a census, he returns to his hometown, which happens to also be the birthplace of King David. And as they return to their hometown, the scriptures tell us that the time came that Christ was to be born And so Mary gives birth to her firstborn, a son, and she places him in a food trough, in a manger, in the living room of that home that was part of Joseph's family. As that event is transpiring, there's another event that could easily be happening simultaneously. And we pick up our reading now in actually verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, and here's what the scriptures tell us. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I don't know if you realize this, but that's the most repeated, emphatic command in all of Scripture. Do not be afraid. We pick up our story again, and the angel goes on, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Are you a people? Are you a person? This is for you. That's what the angel announces, that what he's getting ready to talk about is for all people. Reading on. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Some of you, your scriptures will say, He is Christ the Lord. Reading on, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying... Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, When it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When you look at the lives of the shepherds, what you recognize as we begin to talk about real devotion, they are the first people 
that show real devotion to Christ. They're the first ones. And the real focus of our scriptures will be Luke, again, as I mentioned before, chapter 2, verses 10, 11, and 12. I want to read them again, and I want us to really focus on these verses as we ponder real devotion in our own hearts and lives. Luke 2.10 says this, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Good news is really what the gospel means. The word gospel literally means good news. That's what it means. The angel announces, I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, for you and for me. That's kind of the macro announcement. But now it becomes personal. Today in the town of David, a Savior, repeat that word with me, Savior, ready? Savior has been born to you. It gets personal. It goes beyond that Christ has been born to everyone. Now the angel gets extremely personal with the shepherds and with you and with me. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Say Christ with me. Christ. One more time. Christ. The Lord. Say Lord. Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Not only is this gift for everyone, but it's specific to the shepherds. Not only that, but God became a man. When we look at this story, what fascinates me is that the angel announces four names. These are the four names that are given to the shepherds. We're given Savior. We are given Christ or Messiah. We are given Lord. And the last verse we read said that he was named Jesus. That was to be his name. And as we look at this, it's incredible to think that the first people who showed real devotion to Jesus would have heard these four names, they would have known these four names, these four names were announced to them. The name Savior, you will notice, is capitalized. It's a reference to Christ as being deity. That name Savior means, it's going to blow your mind, Savior. That's what it means. It means deliverer. It's a name that's found in the Older Testament where God comes and redeems and saves his people. It's the Greek word sotare from the root sozo, which means save. That's the first name that the angel announces. Hey, shepherds, God's going to get personal. And as he gets personal, here's what you need to know, shepherds. There's a baby. He's a savior, capital S. The next name that the angels give to the shepherds is the name Christ. 
The NIV has it as Messiah. It's the exact same name. Christ is just the Greek form of Messiah that you find in Hebrew. It's the same name. Messiah literally means anointed one, and it's used 1,514 times in Scripture. The name Christ or Messiah. It means anointed one. It speaks of how kings and the prophets of old, when God came upon them, they were literally anointed with oil. They would take oil and pour it over the king's head to anoint him. It meant specifically selected by God. But here the name is capitalized. It's deity. That you've got the Savior, you've got the Messiah, the Christ. The next name that the angels give is Lord. You're going to discover over the next several weeks that that name Lord is the one that we struggle with the most. We're okay with Savior, we're okay with Christ and Messiah, but when it comes to him being Lord, that can present a problem to us. But that's the Greek word kurios. It's the word in Greek that takes the idea of Adonai and Yahweh from the Old Testament. It's the word Lord. And then the last name is Jesus. It's the name that Mary and Joseph had been told separately by the angel that they were to name their son. The name Jesus is the name Joshua. And Joshua or Yeshua means God saves. So if you were to look at this, you've got four names that are presented to the shepherds. Savior, Christ, Lord, and Jesus. And so let's take a look at this story and let's find where these shepherds, these outcasts of society and religious culture become the first people that show true and real devotion to Jesus. Let's look at them. Let's look at their story. Here's how it happens. They're watching the sheep by night. That means they did not own the sheep. They're working the night shift. The owner might watch them during the day, but the night shift, these shepherds are hirelings. They're excluded from cultural realities of the Jewish faith. They're outcasts, and yet they're out there watching the flocks by night, and an angel appears to them. And the angel gives them this list of names, specifically the first three. He's Savior, he's Christ, he's Messiah, he's also Lord. And when the angel brings that announcement and says, look, this child has been born to you, this creator God is going to get extremely personal. This Savior Christ, Lord Jesus, has been born and placed in a crib, has been placed in a food trough, the same place you put your baby. When that announcement is done, Scripture tells us that with Broadway... Radio City Music Hall, Technicolor, high-definition, seven-point surround sound technology. Heaven opens, and there's a burst-through from heaven to earth of the angelic host. And they, with this huge rush of excitement, make this incredible announcement, and they shout out, glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine you being on that hillside 
My wife and I have stood where they say this event has taken place in Israel. Man, can you imagine being out there at night playing poker with your buddies? There can't be a lot to do with watching sheep at night, right? I mean, how difficult can that be? Hanging out with your buddies, and all of a sudden the sky lights up and the glory of the Lord shines around you and this angel appears and makes this incredible announcement and says that Savior, Christ Messiah, Lord has been born. You're sitting there going, whoa. And then all of a sudden heaven peels apart. And this angelic host bursts through into the earthly realm and makes this incredible, worshipful announcement. And you're sitting there. And you think to yourself, we probably should go check the kid out. Now when you look at this, at least this is where my mind goes as I think about this story. My mind kind of goes here. I get the first angel. If you look in Scripture, man, angels appeared to people all over the Older Testament, and usually they did what they were told. So it almost seems as though this angelic host is overkill. What's the purpose for it? Really, the message has been delivered. My gut reaction is they probably would have gone and sought out the Christ child anyway. But on top of an angelic visit, an individual one, the heavenly host joins in. There could have been tens of thousands of them. When you look at it, it seems like overkill. To me, it's kind of like lighting your Christmas candles with a blowtorch. Like why the over, it just seems so overdone. Be like weeding your flower bed with a bulldozer. I mean, that's the magnitude of this. It's huge. It's high definition. It's in stereo. It's incredible. But ultimately, I believe it's the heart of God. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss him. Now, what could have happened could have been the following. You have this technicolor Broadway demonstration, kind of like the climactic final chorus of some awesome play on Broadway. The heavenly host bursts in. It's incredible. It's stirring. Everything's moving. It's awesome to experience. And then you go and check it out, and it doesn't live up to the hype. Have you ever met someone, and they just didn't live up to the hype? You ever have that experience? Someone tells you about someone and you're just so excited to meet them and then you get to know them and you shake their hand or maybe it's a movie you went to see, somebody absolutely loved and there's all this hype and little, little, little figurines sold at McDonald's and you buy them all and then you go see the movie and, or a friend tells you, oh man, it's the best movie I've ever seen. And you go see the movie and you think, did we even see the same movie? You ever experience that? It just doesn't live up to the hype. Or conversely could be true. You ever meet someone, you're maybe walking down the downtown mall with a friend and the two of you are walking. And I remember an experience I had with my father once. I was a teenager and he said, hey Pete, I want you to come to lunch with me. You're 
your uncle has a friend that's living in Princeton, and so we had done some traveling. We were there, and he said, I want you to meet this friend. He said, I knew him when I was a kid. He was closer to my older brother. My dad was probably, I don't know, 45, 50 at the time. He said, come on, let's meet him for dinner, and we meet this guy for dinner, and they're talking about Prince Rupert and the San Juan Islands where my dad's from and where this guy's from, and they're chatting it up and the whole bit, and I'm kind of sitting there going, why am I here? I mean, teenagers say that anyway whenever they're with their parents, but it was specifically so. Why am I here? And we leave. And I said, Daddy's a great guy. And my dad goes, yeah, you just met a Nobel laureate in physics. What? Yeah, you just met a Nobel laureate in physics. Well, why didn't you tell me that before we met with this guy? Not that I could have impressed him with my mathematical knowledge or anything, but that might have been nice to know. You ever have that where someone introduces you to someone, you're walking away and they say to you, you know who that is? You go, yeah, it's Joe. You just introduced me to, no, 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 here's who Joe is. Then they begin to tell you this long, incredible story, and you think, I wish I'd have known before. You wish you had the hype before, not after. Let me tell you something. God hyped up Jesus' birth. Heaven is activated in the moment when Christ is placed in that food trough. Heaven comes alive. And as heaven comes alive and births into earth's atmosphere, the hype is off the charts. And the scripture tells us that the shepherds take off And as they go, they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. And as they exit that encounter, it says they glorified God and they praised him because it was exactly as they had been told. When I look at this story, I think to myself, Jesus is just a baby. Now, I've raised three children. They've turned out half decent. One of the reasons why they turned out half decent was because when my children were very, very small, I changed diapers, I did a whole lot of things, but little babies make me nervous, even my own. They're so fragile. And Fran used to say to me, I'd maybe be holding my son or one of my daughters and they were tiny, and she'd say, the baby doesn't feel well. I'm looking, this baby looks the same to me as it did yesterday. And all of a sudden, all the milk would come up. And how does Fran even hear? You take the baby back, I'll be good when they turn about 10. But imagine this. These shepherds go to this house. They meet Mary. They meet Joseph. They meet the baby, and they look in that food trough, and they're thinking this. Savior. Messiah, Lord. That's who he is. And the Bible says they praise God. They worship God. And their lives are filled with joy. And here's what strikes me. Baby Jesus has done nothing. Nothing. All he's done is breathed his first breath and entered the world. That's it. Most of us get impressed with people when we follow them and we get to know them and they see what they do. But these guys were blown away just because he had been born. 
Now picture the scene with me. The shepherds are cultural outcasts. They're out there on the hillside. They're kind of doing whatever shepherds do in the middle of the night. Sipping hot chocolate. That's what I would have done. So you're out there sipping hot chocolate. You're eating pita bread and some hummus. And all of a sudden, heaven opens. Angel comes down. Glory of the Lord. Then this symphony comes behind and... You take off running and you go to the house and you find the house and you knock on the door and the door opens and there's Joseph. Joseph says, who are you? Because you're not family. You might not even have known who he is. But you knock on the door. You say, well, we're here to see your baby. Well, how'd you know? Well, I was out sipping hot chocolate and eating hummus and pita bread and heaven opened up. The angel said, go into the town. A son has been born. Go find him. Because he is Christ. He's the Lord. He's the Savior of the world and we're here to see him. Can you imagine? And so Joseph backs up and says, well, come on in. And the shepherds come in, who knows how many of them there were, assuming they don't smell the best. They huddle into that house and they begin to look at that baby. Here's what I'm going to tell you happened. As they look at that child, they recount their story. And Joseph says, but we have a story too. And here's two things that the angel told Mary and Joseph separately not together, but separately, when both of them learned about Jesus. Number one, that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Both of them are told by an angel, Mary and Joseph separately were told that this child will be eternally different. This child will be conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is a divine act of God. It has never happened before. It will never happen again. That was the first thing. And the second thing that both Mary and Joseph were told about this boy separately was this. You are to name him Jesus. And to Joseph, not Mary... Joseph was told, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So can you imagine the shepherds coming in? They're explaining their episode. They're explaining what they saw and what they experienced. And Joseph uploads his side of the story. Because see, the Bible tells us that the shepherds exited worshiping and glorifying God and telling anyone who would listen about what they had seen and what they had heard. There's little doubt in my mind whatsoever that Joseph, in response to their story, would have uploaded his story. And as we look at this, we discover that God through the power of the Holy Spirit, has become a man through Mary and has now entered the world. And the shepherds were the first ones to come in and according to Scripture, show him real devotion. They looked at that baby lying in a manger 
And here's what they know. He is Savior. He is Christ. He's Messiah. And he is Curios. He is Lord. That's who he is. And he hasn't done a thing. But that's who he is. The way I see this is in the following way. And I want you to listen to me. As I read this story, here's what I know. God is now available. The God that in the Old Testament said, take off your shoes because this is holy ground, says to the shepherds, come just as you are. The God in the Old Testament where he would announce, don't come near this mountain. If you do, you will die, God. Says, now you come. Get as close as you can. The don't touch the Ark of the Covenant or you will die, God says, come and touch me. The no one can see my face and live God of the Older Testament now says, come just as you are, come as close as you want to and touch me. That's what God is saying through the birth of his son, that he has now become approachable, he has now become knowable, tangible, he has become the God-man, a baby swaddled up and lying in a manger, and the shepherds were the first people to show real devotion to him. This story absolutely captures my imagination. It literally fascinates me as a Christ follower. And again, in Luke 2.20, the scriptures tell us that as the shepherds returned, they did so glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, they had been told about four names. The four names are Savior, Christ, which means Messiah, Lord, and Jesus. And if you look at those four names, there are two of them that are almost the same. Those two names are Savior and Jesus. Savior has the idea of a God who saves us. That's obvious. But that last name, the name that both angels told Mary and Joseph to name their son, that name of Jesus, literally means God saves. So of the four names, you almost have a repeat. This child will be Savior. This child will be Jesus. This child's name means literally God saves. Yahweh delivers. And so when you look at the names, you can understand this quickly. This is where we begin. We begin with real devotion, understanding that Jesus is the one who saves us. Real devotion begins right here. It begins with the understanding that I need a Savior and you need a Savior. And some of us sitting here go, no, I think I'm okay. Well, I've got a question for you. Have you ever sinned? Have you ever sinned? 
If you have, that guy was way too excited when he said, oh yeah. But listen, Jesus came and two of his names means Savior. God saves, God redeems, God delivers. And my question with real devotion as we start off this teaching series is this. Have you looked to him to save you from your sin? Have you done that? A lot of people come to Jesus. He's a great teacher. They come to him as a model of how to live. I get all that. But let me explain something clearly to you. Real devotion begins here, right here. We don't get to come to him any other way. We come to him the following way. I come to him intimately aware of the sin of my life and that I am a sinner desperately, desperately in need of a savior. You see, in Western culture, we have a phrase, I'm okay and you're okay. But in the kingdom of God, which Jesus came to usher in, there's this dilemma called sin. And if I don't deal with it, if I don't surrender my life and come to Christ as my Savior, as my Jesus, as the God who saves, then my relationship with God never starts. This is how it begins. Now oftentimes, when this gets explained to people, they'll say something like this. They'll say, but Pete, I'm not as bad as some people I know. Not as bad as some people I know. People will say, I'm no Edie Amin, I'm no Joseph Stalin, I'm no Adolf Hitler. And we come to an understanding of what sin is by judging ourselves against other people. That's not how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God teaches us in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the following. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. It's leveled when it comes to spiritual things. All of us start at the same point at the same place. But again, some of you sitting there would say, but okay, but I've not done the big sin. Look, there's no doubt that some sins have greater natural outgrowth than others. Notice I said natural. Some sins that you would commit will wreak havoc on your family. Some sins that we commit can destroy our lives. Other ones in our eyes seem smaller. The natural outgrowth of those aren't as broad or as damaging as others. But what we have to understand in the kingdom of God is that sin is all the same. Whether you feel it's small or it's big, it's sin. And once we've sinned, we need a savior. We need Jesus. We need the one that can save us from our sin. When Joseph was told what to name Jesus, the angel said, name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
So what do I do with that? How do I handle this? When it comes to real devotion, this is where you begin. We begin by looking at our lives and saying, okay, I'm not going to go through self-deception. I'm not going to blame the way I was raised. I'm not going to blame my spouse. I'm not going to blame my friends. I'm going to own who I am and what I've done in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, he has sent us a gift. The gift is for everyone, but it's specifically for you. It's for everyone, but it's personal. And to be a person that shows real devotion to Christ, A real devotion to God is a person that understands, yes, it's for everyone, but it is specifically for me, and I personally respond to what God has provided for me in Christ. And so as we close out our time, I would like for us to stand together in this moment. And as we all stand together into God's presence and the worship team returns, I'm going to ask that we would ponder two of the names of Christ. We would ponder Savior, and we would ponder Jesus. Because here's where real devotion begins. Real devotion begins with understanding who Jesus is. He is Savior. He is Jesus. His name literally means God saves. I can't think of a better way to start out this year than for all of us to close our eyes and open our hearts into God's presence. And as we do so, as we consider again the birth of Jesus, will you please consider him as Savior and as Jesus? He is the Deliverer. He was named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. As we stand into God's presence, we consider this. Would you with me begin here? The starting point of real devotion. Admitting that I have sinned. That I have fallen short of the glory of God. But God has gotten super personal on this one. He has sent his son into the world. He sent Jesus. He sent his son whose name means God saves. Will you open your heart to him in this moment? Will you say yes to the one whose name means he saves his people from their sins? Will you open up to him in this moment? For some of us, we are going to do this for the very first time. You've never accepted Christ before. You've never said yes to him. But now, for the very first time, you know you need a Savior. You need Jesus. You know you do. You've been living your life your own way. You know that you need someone to save you from yourself. Only Jesus can do that. He's the only one. 
And as we're standing here in God's presence, if that is you, I'm going to encourage you. I wish I could reenact the host of heaven coming down in this moment saying, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss him. He is Savior. He is Jesus. Will you accept him in this moment? Will you in this moment open your heart to Jesus and pray a prayer that would go something like this, Jesus, I don't know everything there is to know about who you are. What I know is your name is Savior. It's Jesus. It's God saves. And Jesus, I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. I need a Savior. So Jesus, in this moment, would you save me? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you save me from my sin? Would you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Jesus, will you please give me new life in you? I'm tired of how I'm living. I'm tired of what I've been doing. Jesus, please forgive me and save me from myself. Jesus, I thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you. For others of us, we've chosen to follow Christ. And yet as we look at the new year, we know some things have crept in. Why don't we take care of those right here, right now in God's presence? Why don't we right now just say, Jesus, I am so sorry for what I've been doing, where I've been, what I've done. So Jesus, now as a step of real devotion to you, I confess my sin to you. And Jesus, what I know is as if I confess my sin, you are faithful and you are just. You will forgive me of my sin and you will cleanse me from all unrighteousness because you and you alone are Savior. You and you alone are Jesus. So I bring these things to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Lord, I pray for this in my own life and for the lives of all of us that are here. And may we experience what the shepherds experience. That we will exit this place glorifying God and giving thanks because we've experienced the forgiveness and the cleansing that only Jesus can bring. Jesus, we commit in this moment to be a church that is about real devotion. Allow 2016 to be a year in all of our lives, a year of real devotion to you. Lord, thank you. If you feel like you need to come forward because of something that's in your life, the prayer team is coming forward at this time. They're going to be here to pray with you and to pray for you. I know at times there's things in our lives that we know we need to share with another person or a need that we have. I want to encourage you as Callie begins to lead us in this closing time of worship that you and I would be open to Christ being Savior and being Jesus. And as we do, would you step out in faith and come forward and ask for prayer and be taking steps towards real devotion. 
Let's sing together and worship as we close and as the prayer team comes forward. All these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered mended and whole empty forsaken I've been set free I've been set free amazing grace how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me oh I once was lost but now can see the love in your eyes, laying yourself down, raising up the broken to life. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is Christ, the Lord. God, thank you for who you are to us. I pray over all of our lives that real devotion would become central to who we are as a church family. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. God bless you. If you would like to stay and worship, you can. If you would like to come forward for prayer, you can. But God bless you. Go in real devotion to Christ.
Your light will shine with all 
control consume me from the inside out lord let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out my heart and my soul but i give you control consume me from the inside out lord let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside To the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning, and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. We worship you, Lord. Oh. Because we love you. And we'll never stop. We can't live without you, Jesus. We Get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. Jesus. And when you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation, it ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begins to rise, cause there is resurrection life in all you do.